0: Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine.
1: Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we received a local foundation so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministry you'll find in the pages of Christian Living Magazine. This week's show is near and dear to my heart. Our son, Drew, has been on the show three other times as he and his family prepare to enter the mission field to Karachi, Pakistan, and you'll correct me on how I say it, because I always say Pakistan wrong. I say it like an American.
0: I think you are. I am. Okay.
1: So, but... Fair enough. Yes, I am. Anyway... (laughs) I've been asked so much lately how you guys are coming along, and I just said, you know, Drew, why don't you come do a radio show with me, and we'll catch everybody up at the same time. So, first of all, thank you for joining me.
0: Yeah, thanks if, for having me.
1: Even if you are my my son, I have to I love have to laugh, and I'll share with our listeners. When I called you, you said, "Oh, did your show cancel?" And I said, "No, you're on my list. You are the next guest on the list." <laughs> so, no, nobody canceled. Nobody bailed on me. Nobody got sick or had a crisis literally truly this was the planned show so perfect so you it was just over a year ago the last time you were on the show but it was your whole family you guys had just come home from karachi visiting from spring break it really did my heart a lot of good to see your kids come home and share their experiences with me and you know and and I was able to ask them, you know, did you feel safe there? because you hear all the horror stories about Pakistan and Christians and all of that. and and so it did my heart a lot of good. First of all, the first good news to me was it is no longer illegal to be a Christian in Pakistan, and a lot of people don't know that.
0: Yeah, actually, it's never been. <clears throat> the, the foundation of Pakistan in, in the government stance, Jinnah, when he f- helped to form the government in there, part of the, the origins of the creation of Pakistan was the persecutions that the Hindis had on the Muslims. And so when they formed their government documents, it much like in America, it it's legal to be any religion and any faith that you want to have. The the struggle is you it's illegal to proselytize towards Muslims. You can't try to convert Muslims because it it is an Islamic nation. So
1: that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So the first thing I wanna ask because Pakistan is not a small country. No. And so I want to talk about where is Karachi? What, what part of Pakistan is Karachi? And talk a, let's talk a little bit about Karachi, where you'll be serving.
0: Sure. Okay. So quick information, round numbers. Pakistan is basically two-thirds, population-wide, it's two-thirds that of the United States crammed into an area that's about the size of California. It's very densely populated. I mean, it's an Asian, it's a South Asian country, so you're going to have South Asian feel. It's hot, and when we say hot, we mean hot. <laughs> it is hot. It's it's broken up into different provinces. The two primary ones that most people would would know about and hear about would be the Punjab region. This is the Punjabis. You know, they you have the Punjabi language. There's the Punjab in India and in Pakistan. It's really pronounced Pakistan, but here in America, we'll do this, say it American and Pakistan. That's up in the north. That's where you get things like Islamabad, the actual capital of Pakistan. You get Lahore, you know, like Fort Lahore if you're into history. And then you get like the Indus River Valley just runs all the way down to the coast. And Karachi is just to the west of that Indus River all the way on the coast in the south where you get the second main region that most people know about, which is the Sindh region. Or they speak Sindhi. Uh, the, the primary language across the entire country is Urdu, which is spoken Hindi, written in Arabic script. So it's it's kind of its, it's own thing. But most of the other languages are just dialects or pidgin dialects.
1: Do a, do a lot of the people there speak English?
0: Yeah, yeah. English is actually the government language. So all of the, the founding documentation, anybody in government, anybody who's educated well, uh, is is going to be speaking English? It is a primary language that is spoken there, however, you get into the streets into the markets and and down with the common people and it's it's like listening to me trying to order at a, a Mexican restaurant. You get a few key terms, and that's <laughs> about what you get. You know, you know it's like no, yes, five and I've actually had times where people pull out a calculator because our numbering system repeats. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then eleven, twelve, and then twenty one, two, three, four. They don't do that. Every number is a completely unique number. And so it's really hard for some people who haven't learned the the repeating system to figure out our number system because they're not all individual words. So Karachi is down in the in the coastal area. It's down on the Indian Ocean, and it's huge. It is population-wise three times the size of New York. It's 23 million people. Uh, Now, if you're looking up the official numbers, it's a bit less than that. It's like 16 or 17 million people, but there's a lot of migrants, a lot of transients. You have a lot of people, especially who have come through Afghanistan, refugees who've come in, Mm -hmm. and even our church group has helped several come down into the Karachi region, region, getting them things like tuk-tuk so that they can support their families and and live.
1: Okay, time out. What's a tuk-tuk? I know, but our listeners don't know.
0: A tuk-tuk. It's a basically a motorcycle with a bench seat on the back that is covered. And if you if you've ever been on a wooden roller coaster and you're afraid that you're going to be thrown off the side of that thing. Even though you're only going like 15 miles an hour, you've experienced a tuk-tuk. There's no suspension. You feel every single bump as you go. And by the way, the roads are not well-maintained. Karachi, it's it's wonderful. About a third of the roads are pavement. The rest of them are dirt. You don't think, it's not like here in America where you go everywhere and it's all paved unless you get out into the woods. No, no, no. It's It's half of it's still dirt road. And you are feeling everything as you go, and it is a wonderful experience. You shove the three, myself and Sonny, who are full-sized Americans, I guess we can say, (laughs) (laughs) and Gabby in the backseat, Josh in the front with, with the driver, and Josh feels like he's gonna jump out because he's the skinny little beanpole, and I'm literally reaching around and grabbing him and holding him down to make sure he's not flying off of this. This is all on a tuk-tuk? T- oh yeah,
1: it's it's like the motorcycle version of Uber.
0: It is. I, there was a. I'm trying to remember what, co- what what company was doing this, but there was a a, a commercial that was done, and it was Pierce Brosnan. And he was trying to get to like an awards event and his car breaks down and a tuk-tuk driver picks him up and he recognizes him and thinks it's James Bond and has to get him there. And literally kids and I watch this, it's hilarious, but it's what you experience on a tuk-tuk. You just, you feel like you're gonna fall out or die. And by the time you get there, you're surprised the thing hasn't fallen apart. So.
1: So when you were there, one of the things that you sent (laughs) me was a quick video of traffic. And let's just say that when I come to visit, I'm not driving.
0: No. No. Well, yeah. And they, they drive on the opposite side of the road it's, you know, it was a British colony. So they drive on the opposite side of the road from what we were used to not to mention it's, it's Asian. And so they, it's Bob and weave like wow. everybody just kind of weaves through things and motorcycles are the norm even though there's potholes everywhere. And I mean, when we say potholes, we mean like an actual hole in the ground that goes deep down. They stick tree branches into these things so that you will see it from afar and don't fall into it. Because that's one of the most common ways that they have accidents is motorcycles will hit these and fall off and somebody breaks a leg and cars are running over them. So I didn't just say that to my mother. Wow. Think things through, (laughs) but you know, it's these things happen, but you'll get you know, it's like a seventy cc motorcycle, but a family of four on it, and the dad's driving, a kid sitting in front of them, a kid sitting between them, and the mom side saddle. And sometimes the mom has a baby on her lap. You might get four or five people, and I'm looking at that thing going. If I was on it, I don't know if that would move. But they have five people on that motorcycle, and she side saddle. Okay, it's
1: it's a different way of life. It yeah. just really is. So I want to talk just just briefly because the. the Christian population over there is very small.
0: Yeah, it's about two and a half percent of the population. Yeah. So 220 million people, two and a half percent. So do the math.
1: So one of the things that I have marveled at, and and you know, not notwithstanding the fact that your family is moving to serve in the mission field there. Not this is not a three-month or a six-month mission field. This is you are physically moving to Pakistan to serve in this mission field. And so it's yeah, everything about Pakistan seems to catch my attention. It's like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that?
0: It's the blue car syndrome, yep. and, yeah. And
1: part of it started with your visit there last year, but part of it too has just been, um, it's like God just keeps opening other doors and I keep making new friends in different parts of Pakistan. We now have my husband and you, Steve, Um, And I have a Wednesday night Zoom Bible study that we do. And one of the members of that Bible study talks to people all over the world, and he's invited two different Pakistani families. And we now have two Pakistani families who Zoom in with us on Wednesday nights. And the thing that where I'm going with this is we worry about padded seats at our churches Mm -hmm. and air conditioning and all of that. These people are in little, tiny, often cement rooms on a cement floor, if not a hard-packed dirt floor, shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. to worship God. Oh, yeah. yeah! They are so they're they're such a small population, but they are fervent about their prayers. In one of the groups that has been zooming in with us, one of the attendees is a man, and the first time that they zoomed in, we logged off that night because I I do the primary leading and. I said, "Why? Well, I wonder if they'll be back because I wonder if that man, although he's Christian, he's in Pakistan. I wonder if he can accept a woman <laughs> leading that group." They were back last night, and I was just like, "Wow, this is so cool!" And it, before they logged off, he said, "Thank you so much. I really enjoy your teaching." And I was like, "Wow." A, I was surprised how well he spoke English, and mm-hmm. B, you know, I was, "Oh, whew. okay, we're okay, we're good. They'll be back."
0: Yeah, and it's pretty, it's pretty common. I mean, it's, so it's an honor shame society, so they'll they'll flat tell you. Oh, the men are just out working, but they, they come, but I've been there twice. You know, we did a, I did a second trip without the family, um, in August of last year as well. And the men are out working or they're just not coming and showing up. It is very female, you know, probably 80% of the church population there is, is female. And, um, it's very common to have women teaching women, at least opening up with prayer and, and leading, leading basic guided things. And so it's it's not super uncommon, but it just depends on what church group they're with. Kind of like here,
1: and and we're doing a video series that is led by the the video yeah. is done by a man, yeah. and so yeah, I'm I'm just doing the notes. Yeah. So it's not like I'm actually the teacher; I'm just the facilitator. Huh. So I want to talk about because I'm sure now that our listeners are done, those that have not heard you on the show before are done going wait pakistan that's dangerous and they're getting beyond the shock of that yeah we've had a little time to acclimatize our family to that um
0: a little more than i was hoping for a little (laughs) more
1: but that's
0: (laughs) god's perfect timing god's
1: perfect timing that's right but let's talk about what you and sunny your wife will be doing yeah so because it's not their it's not the traditional mission field so let's start with what you're going to be doing.
0: Yeah, and, and it's not. Most people think missions, and it instantly becomes evangelism in their minds. Well, legally, we could evangelize to another 2.5% of the population. It's only 5% of the population in Pakistan that's not Muslim. So you can do it, and you could Potentially double the size of Christians legally, and then and then you know go from there. But that's that's not what our calling is. Our calling is primarily education focused. So myself, I, my job is to help the church there, right? So so help pastors, current church leaders, future church leaders. We inherited the oldest Bible college in all of Karachi when we got this church group with us which has 170 churches 77,000 plus believers that are a part of this church group and we have the oldest bible college in Karachi started Talk in the 50s sorry about mega
1: churches <laughs> sorry and you anyway, know, keep going
0: yeah but it's it's funny the numbers are kind of skewed because a lot of these churches they're house churches in some of the villages and you might have one and a half families in in yeah. this church but there's others that you'll have there's several hundred in a church but in those ones, the several hundred, yeah, you're going to have seats. There's pews and chairs. And most of them, though, it is. It is a concrete hallway, basically, that they might roll out AstroTurf or have a rug down and you sit. And it's, we would, you know, I grew up Indian style. Now we say crisscross applesauce, but it is knees to back all the way down. The band is, you know, on a harmonium out there and, and maybe a hand drum and singers, and they're all just in, in the group. There's no extra space for them, and there's this little spot where someone gets up and stands and preaches, and it's holy ground, so you take your shoes off. You know, if you're speaking especially, you're taking your shoes off. So myself, what I'm doing is I'm teaching at the college and working around with other church leaders and helping to equip them in areas that they feel that they need equipping. And so that that is kind of a key point to this, though. Um, our job, my job, is not to go out there and say, hey... This is how we do it in the West. This is the best way to do it. I'm going to teach you how to do this because I know stuff you don't know. My job is to actually come beside our brothers and sisters and say, you know the people better than I do. You know what you need better than I do. How can I help you? You know, what are you lacking in? What are you lacking in? What can I do to come alongside you and work with you and walk with you through this as you do?" what needs to be done is what you, you know, God's calling you to do. And so it, it's kind of unique in that, in that we're, we're walking alongside them. We're not just over them. in, in a weird sense like that, we're, we're right they're beside them working hand in hand and equipping them with the sorts of things that they need. So that includes traveling around the country, working and doing pastor's retreats, making sure that the pastors are well taken care of, church leaders are well taken care of, and that we're growing future church leaders so that the next generation and the next generation can go on. On top of that, Sonny and I will actually be starting schools for children. So the public schools is what we would call, they call them government schools. Well, it's an Islamic government. The main teaching that they do there is throughout the Quran. Well, if you are not behind that, they kick you out. The Muslims also have water buckets and they're Muslim-only water buckets. And so if a non-Muslim child drinks out of that, they kick them out of the school. They can actually beat them with rods and everything too. I mean, it's, it goes all the way down. So In one way, they they keep minorities. We think minorities, we think skin color. When they think minorities, they think religious minorities. So, Hindi, Sikhs, Christians, and then everything else that falls into the other category. You know, they do whatever they can to keep them as minorities. Well, the best way they can do that is by limiting their potential at growing in the economy. No education, no decent job. You can't, you know, you can't compete. And so, they keep them uneducated. So, God has really given us a passion to help these children and to help them naturally adjust their, their lives outcome and their family's outcome. You know, we we always like to think when God works miracles, God is out doing big things. What we fail to realize is that God loves to work with and through what we see as natural order. He created both the spirits and, you know, the spiritual realm and the physical realm here with people He created so that he could work with us. And so a lot of the miracles God produces and does, he does through his people. So we get that opportunity to help them miraculously through the grace of God and by the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, get an education and then go. So we'll be working at not just starting the schools, but... But helping to educate the teachers and give them training, and you know here's the basic of math here's how we do this we're we're currently working even though we're not there yet we're currently working on on finding curriculum that we can take over there that is a good christ centered and bible centered curriculum but that still teaches the fundamentals of math the fundamentals of science the language writing reading so that they can actually get out there and compete in the market
1: that's that's phenomenal one of the things um that we as a family learned early on that really breaks my grandma's heart, and that is that there's child labor over there. Mm. So these these children are not only um, kind of edged out of the educational system by religious um, discrimination, but they also have to go to work first yeah. to help provide for their family. And so then when there is enough time or energy at the end of the day, that's when they get to go.
0: Yeah, the classes are often at- at night. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, so we don't think about that. We we you know, here in America we go to our 8 to 5 jobs mm-hmm. and our kids go to school from 8:30 to 3 or 9 to 3:30 or whatever it is these days. You know, and that's that's and, and then they go to soccer or they go to lacrosse or they go to gymnastics. Yeah. That is not a child's life necessarily. Well,
0: and there's an extra element to that. So Pakistan is an evening and nighttime culture mm-hmm. because it's so hot. And so think about that. Put those two together. The children are out working and they're usually out picking up things on the street or doing things that a child could do in the hottest time of the day when no one else is working. They are forced to go out and do manual labor jobs in the heat of the day so that they can then try to do their education when everyone else is working, when it's cooled down a little bit. So it's, it's, it is. It's a bit more extreme than we like to think of it, yeah.
1: And with and with us having daylight savings time currently, there's an 11-hour time difference. Yeah. It's funny cuz several I've I've had several pastors who have never have heard of you who have found Christian Living magazine online <laughs> and they reach out to me and and it's funny cuz I've had to kind of shut the ringer off on my phone in during the night which I've never in my entire yeah. life done. Because they forget that there's an 11 hour time difference, so my phone yeah. will start ringing at two thirty, three 3 o'clock in the morning with pastors over there, and I'm like, Drew, do you know these people? No, nope, never heard of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and so again, God just keeps bringing Pakistan and the heart for Pakistan back and back and back. And so, but that's, that's
0: an amazing thing. We have an opportunity that this the Treasure Valley can make a massive impact in the church and in the body there throughout the country of Pakistan. And I would love that. I would love to see. The churches around here unified and the body around here unified and making an impact. This is a small valley. Yeah. And we can actually make a very tangible impact throughout the body of Christ throughout that entire country, which is a huge country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So – Some of our listeners may have questions, may want to talk to you. You do help at a local church, although this is a Church of God mission. I also like to let people know where they can find you, where they can occasionally hear you preach even.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, the weekend after Mother's Day, I'm supposed to be preaching actually there. So we are currently, our home base here in the Valley is Cornerstone Worship Center in Nampa. It's right behind Taco Time, if you know that. (laughs) Yeah, it's across the street from Marduk Circle in Taco Time. There's your there's your landmark. There's you know your right, landmark. You know right where it's at. Um, but yeah, we that is a four square church. Um, we are with Church of God Anderson. But but part of both of those and why this is a beautiful fit is both of them are actually about unifying the body. It's less about a de- dom- a denominational tie and more about bringing the brothers and sisters in Christ t- together to work together and to go out and do it. So it it's a great it's a great unifying point. But. Otherwise, you can always feel free to email me, uh, Sonny and I at D S Brown. So it's like Drew and Sonny Brown, D S Brown at chog c h o g dot org. And, That's,
1: uh, that was my next question: Is how can people reach out to you?
0: Yeah, so that, you that. Yeah, that, or go to the website. You know, it's it's chog global c h o g global dot org forward slash team t e a m forward slash D S Brown. Sometimes if you just go to the slash DS Brown, it doesn't always work depending on your browser. So I just started telling everybody go to the the full thing slash team slash DS Brown.
1: There you go, folks. So we know that church of God missionaries are all self funded So it goes without saying that, you know, you're that that's been the delay is, you know, COVID and and the economy um, getting you there. But how, what other ways can people help?
0: Uh, The biggest way is prayer, you know, be praying for us. Keep our family in, in your thoughts and in your prayers. But there's also another very tangible way that you can do this. If your church is looking to learn more about missions or more about Pakistan, if you have a heart for educating children, you know, any of these things, we would love to meet you. We would love to get in and, and maybe present and talk with your church. Talk with your Bible study. You know, it doesn't all have to be full-on churches. We do Bible studies. We have, have groups. We have multiple women's groups who have partnered with us. Again, Bible studies, different things like that, and and all of that works great. So, if you have a connection that you think would would be a good fit, yeah, reach out and let us know. You can reach out at well, you can reach out with my mom here, Sandy, at Christian Living, or you can always reach out again at that DS Brown at chug.org, dot org, and we we'd love to be in contact.
1: And I'm always happy to connect you too. That's right. It happens every time. We're out of time, Drew. Thank you so much again for joining me, even if you are my kid. I'm so proud of you. A couple of housekeeping notes. I just wanted to remind our listeners that Christian Living Spotlight is also now a podcast that's available on most major streaming services. Be sure to subscribe today and never miss another episode again. If you haven't already, be sure and pick up your own copy of Christian Living Magazine at over 600 locations throughout southern Idaho. Or if you're out of the area, you can read us online at christianlivingmag.com. This does bring our time to an end for this week. And folks, I invite you back next week when we have another extra special guest in store for you. Someone who will encourage you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless.
0: This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867 Meridian, Idaho 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.